Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Men of Ann Arbor podcast brought to you by the good people at New Amendment. As always, I am your co-host, Stuart Douglas, alongside Nick Stauskas. Usually we do some small talk here, catch up on our personal lives, but screw that. Like, this is the most hyped we've been all year for Michigan. I mean, it was an unbelievable win. I freaked out. I haven't, I haven't like, freaked out at a shot in that long I mean, it's it's just fun to have a team like give you that excitement. I was off the couch. Chelsea and I were just off the couch, basically just like screaming. Yeah, I mean, no, it was, it was insane. And um, to your point, I feel like in previous weeks when they haven't been playing as well, we are like, all right, what can we talk about in our personal lives to to take up some time, maybe? And now this week. They finally put together like a three, a good three game stretch where, you know, you can actually be excited about things. So, um, man, the uh, the shot by Hunter, I, I can't I got to just say this. I can't help but think this is some payback for 2013. Ben Brust hitting the half court shot against us at Wisconsin to send the game in OT. That one still to this day hurts. So, that you know, this is this is payback. It's karma. Sometimes in basketball, you just need to get a little bit lucky. And, you know, I think I think that, you know, the Wisconsin game, that was one of the times for this team. You know, you just got to get lucky once or twice, you know, keep your head above water. And, um, you know, maybe that shot was luck, but I think the rest of the game and even that OT, they kind of had their foot on the gas and, and did everything that they needed to do to win that game. Yeah, I I mean, I don't freak out like watching basketball. After playing it for so long, I like wasn't a fan of any team, didn't care. I just watched it to like watch, right, and appreciate the game. And yeah, I haven't freaked out that much. Uh, that the only time I think there's ever been like that much freak out in a Douglas household was my mom. It's one of my mo- my favorite stories about my mom. She loved Reggie. That's why I loved Reggie Miller growing up. Loved the Pacers. She's a transplant from Chicago. Never played basketball growing up. It's a little bizarre, but she loved it. She was all in. It was the game where Reggie scores. Eight points in 8.9 seconds. You've seen that, right? Yes, the legendary. Yes, against the Knicks, the push, the three, all of it. And my dad wasn't home. He was out of town on business. And my mom didn't know who to call. So she calls her mom, freaking out, crying, literally crying, freaking out, saying Reggie won him the game, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, who's Reggie Miller and did he die? It was like she was crying that much, freaking out that much. Um, and I've never been in that situation before, but this game was a lot of fun. I think that you just got to have some luck on your side. It's, it's a part of every successful team. I mean, your guys' team against uh, that shot for Trey was skill, but also a little luck gets involved there. Um, Jordan pool shot in 17, little luck involved. I mean, if he doesn't hit that shot, we're not talking about beelines legacy quite as nicely. Uh, which is funny to say because he'd be, he would be the exact same coach he was if that shot didn't go in. But these things are critical a lot of times to successful teams. And I think, you know, hopefully we'll be looking back on it next year and the years to come. And if they go on a run here and they they reach their potential, be like, where were you when uh, Hunter hit that shot? This has like turnaround vibes. You know, I'll pat myself on the back here in my team, but like like Michigan State turnaround vibes in 2011. Like it could be – kind of a turning point for them, get them going into the postseason and just peak. That's all they need to do is just peak. No, I, I agree. And the only unfortunate thing is I, I wish I wish this run could have happened, you know, early January, late December. I know. Uh, 
because again, it's one of those things they got two games left in the Big Ten season. And granted, it's great momentum heading into, you know, Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament, hopefully. Um, but again, they, you know, to this point, they haven't won a great number of, you know, respectable games that are going to mean something on, you know, on the resume. Um, and granted, these last, you know, these last three games are great ones, but um I'm I'm just thinking, damn, they're hitting such a good stride right now. You would have you would have loved to see this a little bit earlier on in the year. And the craziness too, they're doing it without Jet. You know, they're doing it without Jet and Kobe and Doug. I think those two guys, it's the best basketball they've played all year. And yeah, you know, we knew that with Jalen being out this year, that those two guys were gonna have to step up and carry carry a heavier load. And now you throw Jet into that equation, and you know, it really the guard play falls all on them. And for these guys to be coming up big the way they are now, I mean, I thought I thought Kobe's game against Wisconsin was his best of the year. Um, and you could argue the same with Doug. I, although, granted, I think um, it was the Rutgers game that Doug had had zero assists, zero rebounds, but was was still scoring that thing, which is kind of funny. But again, he's playing great; like he's able to score. Yeah. Even the game at Michigan State that we were at, he's scoring in a variety of ways um, that he was not able to do consistently you know just a couple of months ago so um you know yeah. i think we've always had that question of you know can can doug be a reliable starting point guard for michigan now and in the future and i think he's he's clearly answered that question yes and he's even proved me wrong because low-key i was hating on him a little bit earlier this year especially when he had that little that little twitter comment about the michigan fans i was like man this guy is i just i kind of wrote him off to be honest and uh man i'm I've been impressed. He's got some flair to his game. Um, even though the analytics say a lot of his shots are probably terrible ones, he Whatever. makes them. It's just he yep. – it, but that's the thing. At the end of the day, you, as a basketball – as if you're analyzing basketball, there has to be the analytics part and then there has to be the eye test part. Like You have to be able to watch someone at the end of the day and say, all right, for most people that might not be a good shot, but for this guy, he makes it. You know, He looks comfortable when he's making it, and that's – with Doug, the long twos and the floaters, the step backs, a lot of times he shoots them. I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. But I mean, hey, if they're going to keep going in, then I'm like, all right, keep shooting them. Yeah, so this is a perfect transition to the X's and O's. So let's get in breaking down Michigan the last couple of games. Let's get right into the X's and O's. I said it before as well. We've said it multiple times, I think, on this podcast. They had a 40 game, 50 game season and they actually like kept developing. It'd be a totally different look. They, this team would be top 15, I feel like, pretty easy if they were able to develop a little more. But the X's and O's of it is interesting to watch this team play. And, and Hunter actually talked about it in his postgame presser about how the the opposing teams are taking him away on the post-ups, but also in the pick and rolls. All ball screens, they're just taking him away. And Kobe and Doug have done a really good job of staying aggressive and it wasn't, you know, in your initial game plan, right, to start the year. Like, all right, we're going to feed Hunter all the time. He's our All-American, blah, 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 blah. All right, well, you got to adjust. And these teams are throwing the kitchen sink at Hunter. And I, I don't think I've ever really seen the paint given up so much to guards um, at the Big Ten level, especially when they keep killing you. I mean, it's been – it's only been like a month or two where they've really started to click totally from the one and two spot. But still, like – they keep giving it to them, and these guys are not even hesitating. And that's what I love. They're, you're like, all right, you're going to give it to us. We're going to punish you. It was like when teams would run a zone against my teams. And I'm like, really? Like, this is, you, you got to be 
stupid as hell to be doing this right now. And then you make them right. and then you just going to jack up threes and you're going to be confident and hit them and then get them out of the zone. So I think they've done a really good job of not backing down. I mean, shit, Kobe took 21 shots against Wisconsin. Yeah, he did. So that tells you there, like he knows we talked about it before, right? When jet was out, God, what game was it? I can't remember what game it was. And even like him taking the final shot, um, when he kind of hesitated against, I can't remember what, I can't remember what game it was. IU against IU when he kind of hesitated and he didn't, he didn't oh, take that shot. Right, right, right. And he passed it back out. And this game, he went in and he was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to get 20 shots up. Like, I don't care. I'm, this is, I mean, Jets out. I got to take this role. This is my role now. And that is a, like a bit of a metamorphosis over from a two, for a two week span, right? Like that's huge. That's, it's, you don't you see that pretty rarely that kind of click happen in the end of the season uh, when roles are changing when guys go out so it was cool to see it, it's um it's exactly what they need that guard play heading into the rest of the season and especially in the tournament if they're gonna get that and yeah I mean I don't I mean you know it like if you're gonna they, teams were focusing in on you and any any green light that you had any space that you they gave you any one-on-one situation you're like all right Forget you. Like, I'm going to put up 20 shots. I don't care. It's not going to be every game. But that's what I like about these guys. They have that mentality of, like, what you had when you won Big Ten player of the year. It's like, right, we're just going to – we'll show you that you're making a mistake. Right. And with and with Kobe, what I like is a lot of it, it's not like he's taking 20 shots and he's settling for a bunch of threes. Like, my, my guy no. is getting to the cup. He is getting to the Baja whenever he wants – and I love the I love the action they run. So simple, but just the, you know the pin down to a DHO, and then you get Kobe kind of turning the corner with his left hand, making you know just making a read. But he's 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 slippery out there. Once he you know once he gets downhill off that DHO, I mean the way he's able to slither in and around the defense, and then you know a number of times just have that little lefty finish without even touching, you know, the ball with his offhand. Yeah, um, twice. Honestly, a lot, of, a lot of it reminds me of, just from the eye test, it reminds me of, of Manu Ginobili when he was playing. Just that ability to get downhill and kind of, you know, be crafty and shifty. Um, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure to watch him grow. And it started as, okay, he's had a couple good games in a row to now it's kind of like, Man, he's he's morphed himself into a really you know really good prospect, um, and, and I'm talking about at the pro level. Like I feel like yeah. he's really getting himself to that point where you you know people are talking about him in that manner, um, and you know it's it's been in a variety of ways, which we've talked about all year. It's been the three, you know, when teams are playing um, a drop on the pick and roll, he's pulling up to that little mid range. He's had you know. Feel like he loves that little uh, that little baseline jumper whether it's a step back or pull yeah. up he's been hitting those often um so man it's, it's been great it's been great to see that from him there's been no hesitating at all which is great because you've really seen him learn from some of those mistakes and have those you know maturing moments where you know he's growing as a person growing as a basketball player and, and he's gaining confidence in himself so happy you're ha- always happy to see it kind of come together for one of these guys like that yeah the the dribble handoffs, I think, are really effective. I, I would, from an X's and O's standpoint, would like to see him do that more often instead of that stagnant ball screen. Be, this is a stagnant ball screen. Mm-hmm. 
it's not it's it's you can't just snap your finger and get into a DHO that's going to work every time. It's just not how it works in basketball. It, you know, you just can't run it every time, especially when the guards are out top. Sometimes you have to slow it down, run that stagnant ball screen. But they're helping so much on Hunter. Well, the big man is not helping on the ball handler when he's coming off of that handoff or ball screen. So when you get him in a dribble handoff and he has more momentum, it's harder for the big to set up and help more. You get create more space. And the other defenders aren't there in help side. So I, I really like that action. They, they, I feel like they run that. They like literally score in a Kobe layup. He starts on the right wing and he comes around and he gets the other side of the basket for left-hand layup. That's like the first of three possessions every game and he scores on it. And to say like do that every time is oversimplifying it. But he's been fun to watch pick his spots. There's this thing that he does. It's a uh, – I always like to do it because I wasn't super athletic. When you – you get that mid-range pull-up, and you're like, oh, this guy, you know, it's not open. You know, he's like, this guy's draped all over him. But he does this thing where you you start to pull up, you do that quick dribble, right, as they're mid-step. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, as they're mid-step, you do a quick dribble and go up as they're stepping, and they can't contest it. And so, like, you don't even feel that they're there. Like, you know you're not getting blocked. And so those little nuances, like, it's a really veteran move from him and all these yeah. – mid-range shots i mean i college basketball fans hate mid-range shots they just they hate it it you know you never trust a kid shooting those shots because you think it's inefficient uh, you rather kids shoot some threes or trying to get to the basket but he's perfected it man i mean I, i'd be curious to see what his numbers were are in the big 10 for mid-range I'm sure we could get them somehow but um it's the little things like that where like he is it's like a go-to like he's hit so many big mid-range shots and the way that basketball is being played, and especially in college, that's like the last thing people want. But he's perfected it. And that, to me, speaks to his confidence in himself and figuring himself out and not worrying too much about the other shit. Yep, for sure. And, and to go along with that, Doug, too, I think the stat I saw here, um, shooting, shooting over 47% on twos that are seven feet, 17 feet or longer. It's and wild. And you put that in context, hard. which is wild because if you, I mean, for most, you know, for most fans who aren't, you know, aren't too familiar with the numbers, like even at the NBA level, there are, I would say each year, maybe a handful of guys that can even get close to 50% from, you know, on mid range yeah. jumpers. And you start talking about 17 feet plus, um, I feel like you start seeing more guys shooting closer to 30, you know, 30, 35%. It's not a high percentage shot. So, um, again, credit to these guys for picking their spots and getting comfortable. And for a lot of time, like these, these teams are going to play in a drop and, and make these guys score or to kind of take away hunters, you know, pick and roll pops or whatever it is. Um, these guys are going to be forced to be in scoring positions and, you know, they're starting to get comfortable and confident out there, which is, which is great for us. So, um, hopefully they can just continue that going uh, to finish out this season. Yeah, big time. It's uh, I think the record in the NBA is Kevin Durant at like 55% or like maybe a little bit over, which is just insane. Yeah. And that's like all mid-range. It's absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. And he's seven yeah. foot tall. Doug is what, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, and he's doing it within yeah. – He's not playing one on one. Like he's doing, I mean, kind of maybe a little bit off of like a drag off of a ball screen and then kind of gets into one on one sometimes. But it's really like yeah. just reading stuff off of the ball screen, the drop coverage, uh, his his man coming over and then he's just doing a quick step back behind the back thing. You know, the shots you love, that move that you love, like that quick 
step back with um, behind the back, stop on a dime thing. And he's just shooting it with confidence. I mean, that this was – we said it before, even when they weren't playing well, shooting well, let's say shooting well, they, these are the things they had to do because they weren't going to win without it. So it's fun to see Juwan stick with it and stick with them, give them that confidence and say – you got to figure this out. Like this is the offense. You got to figure it out. We're not going to win without you. And so they've been kind of establishing themselves as a core. They scored 48, 71 points, 71 of the, 71 of the 87 points. And then Joey Baker had nine, Terrence five, Terrence two, um, which is, it's pretty crazy. But if you have three guys that talented, you can do that in college basketball. But I mean, I don't think Michigan. I, I mean, did you guys ever have a, te- a game where you all scored like three guys scored over twenty? You had to, have, right? No, I. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of it, and it's it's really hard because it's I, in so college hard. basketball, at least you guys a had a lot of you guys like, had seven guys though, like scoring. Yeah, yeah, but that, but again, for us, is like if you had 15, you had a great game because yeah. it's just you know, even for Euro me, style. I look back at my time at Michigan and I feel like I think the most shots I ever took in a game at Michigan was like 17 or 18. Like I've never really gotten yeah. to that 20, 25 range. Um, because again, it was a very balanced attack from us, but in this situation, like these guys, you know, between Kobe, Doug and Hunter right now, that's the offense, you know, that's where again, 80% of your scoring is going to come from at least. So, um, you know, we got to keep feeding them. And and again, I don't know what this, I don't, what is the status on Jet right now for for his ankle? Like, have they said when he's, uh, well, how long they're expecting him to be out for? It was interesting. And the trainer came up. So, Juwan had a plan before the game that he was not going to play against Wisconsin. And he was going to take another yeah. day of training on um, Monday and then go from there and then probably be good to go for Thursday's game. Well, the trainer came up to him. Jet went out and started warming up and training up to draw on Jet's plan. And he's like, what? Like, no, I told him he's not. And I skimmed through the article a little bit, but he's like, I had to go up to Jet, explain to him, like, this is the plan. We're going to give you a little more time because you've dealt with this before. This is not a new injury and we need you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes a lot of trust in your team. That that takes right. a lot from Jawan to trust his team without Jet kudos to him i think that that gives your other guys a lot of confidence because you got a first round draft pick that you're saying like okay you could you could probably play a little bit but you know we might be better without you if you're not 100 percent, or our guys are capable of taking care of this without you i mean that's huge so we'll see where the status is for thursday i would imagine i'd be shocked if he didn't play i think he'd have to probably re-injure it a little bit um so i want i want to ask you your thoughts on that? Because I'm I'm hearing Twitter birds. I get tweets in my ear about them playing better without Jet. I think maybe we talked about it last episode, but they've proven again that they can win without him. And I think I'm still of the belief that their peak is with Jet. It's just, you know, how would you want him? How would you want to see him get back into this team with the flow they have on offense, with the flow they have on defense? I mean, do you want him to come back and, and rely on him for the Iowa games and go back to him all the time? Or do you want to, you know, maybe work him a little different on the offense than he was before? Yeah, I think starting with the game that we were at, you know, at home against Michigan State, I felt personally when he injured his ankle to finish out that game with him on the bench, I thought they played better. Um 
but again, that's not, not taking anything away from Jed or saying, you know, he's, you know, he's doing anything wrong. It's yeah. just the rhythm of the game and the offense was flowing better. I think sometimes the ball can be sticking a little too much and their offense gets stagnant when Jet's dancing one-on-one a little bit. So I would say when he comes back, the thing I'd like to see is maybe him work, especially with an ankle injury, if you're not going to be 100% off the bounce, you know, with your first step, you don't want to rely on one-on-one ISO game. You're going to want to rely, yeah. you know, playing off of your teammates and getting some easier looks where you're catching the ball with some some sort of an advantage. So with Kobe and Doug playing the way they are, I would love to see those guys continue to be aggressive. And I think both of them over the course of this year have showed their ability to make plays for others. And Jet's a guy where it's like if you're leaving him open or if he's on a, you know, open on a shakeup off of a ball screen, let it fly. But I wouldn't, you know, what I don't want to see is Jet come back in and, you know, almost one of those things where, okay, I'm projected lottery pick. So, or for, you know, projected first round pick. So let me, when I come back, let me go ahead and continue to get mine and get buckets out here because that's not going to help the team. You know, most of the time it's not going to help the team. Some games, you know, like the Iowa game, obviously he, you know, was able to carry them single-handedly almost. But for the most part, I would love to just see him get looks within the offense and play off of the rest of these guys who really have a great rhythm going right now. Yeah, I want to see more of the pin downs for him. I mean, use that dribble handoff action, the yeah. pin down action, like they used for Kobe a lot. Um, just get him more in the flow of things. I mean, they're still, you know, when they focus on going to one guy is when they get stagnant. Like, all right, we're going to focus on posting up Hunter on the block, and it just lets everyone set up. And, you know, I think maybe that they've seen that, yeah, Jet can still score 18 to 20 if we just keep flowing. And he can actually probably do it on less shots because they're more efficient shots. So, I mean, ultimately it's up to Jawan and even Doug calling the plays. Um, You know, how much they can post up Hunter and utilize the double team action. I don't think they're still utilizing that super great. And I want to get into that with you a little bit. But I think, you know, this team knows from top to bottom, like Kobe and Doug calling plays and Jawan calling plays, like they can just go right back into like just plug – jet in there offensively and do the same exact thing just flip the side of the court and he's on the left side just flip it a little bit um maybe even put him like in the two guard spots like kobe would and run plays for him that way maybe that's too late in the year to be doing that pushing stuff up but um i think a lot of it is going to still be relying on kobe in the ball screens doug in the ball screens and a lot of post up i i specifically against wisconsin Honestly, this Wisconsin game is so crazy. I forgot Rutgers even happened like after the last recording, but there's some similarities there a little bit. The post-ups, they went with Wall, uh, Tyler Tyler Wall, the four-man, Wisconsin's four-man on him, and they still couldn't get this position. There's There's this opportunity they have where Wall is like denying him and he's fronting him at like outside the block. So he's probably like 12, 15 feet away from the basket. And, you know, it's that perfect time where it's like, all right, just seal and then throw it to the top corner and let Hunter go get it. Now, Crowell, the big man, was yeah. helping from the opposite side, but I feel like they still haven't quite utilized that enough. And I know Hunter had 23 and, like, was efficient this game. But the the block post-ups aren't it for me right now. I'm really loving the pin down from the center of the court and posting up in the middle. Or, like, yeah. a ball screen. What they did with Doug one time, which I really loved, is a ball screen – 
and Hunter rolled right down the middle of the paint, and then Hunter just spun, let the guy recover, uses momentum to get to spin, get the guy behind him, and then put it his back, uh, get his butt on the guy or get his guy on his butt, and then post up and do, uh, shoot it right in the middle. I think it was like a ten footer, and he made it over Crow. I mean, it was still a little bit in traffic, but there's some variations there where I still think they're not not quite utilizing Hunter like how they could. Like they're not punishing teams too much out of the double team. And I think there's still something to be mm-hmm. tapped into there. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, the 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 post up in the middle of the court, like you said, off that pin down is kind of most effective because it, it makes – that's probably the hardest area to double team someone. Wow. Um, again, to, to Hunter's credit, I think he's he's been fantastic when the doubles have come and they've gotten him the ball – in terms of making the right play, I I would say I've he's one of the best bigs I've ever seen at making that cross court pass oh, yeah. over a double team Easily. and hitting whether it's Joey or Kobe whoever it is like hitting them on the money for an uh, for a catch and shoot three, um, it's impressive the way he's able to put it on time on target. So you give him credit for that. But again, you know we've talked about the we've talked about their post ups with Dickinson all year in terms of they've. Sometimes I just feel like they telegraph it too much and every team comes into each game against Michigan knowing like this is our game plan. We're going to deny Hunter the ball. We're going to front him. When he catches, we're going to double him. It's the same thing every game. So, again, you would have loved to see at this point of the year they you know, maybe would have figured it out a little bit more or had a better rhythm with that. But, um, you know, we've talked about the fact that they haven't really been able to find him in the pick and roll as much as an alternative, which yeah. – Leaves leaves you really with the only option. You gotta you gotta post them. If you're not gonna find him on the pick and roll, he's either got to do a, a you know a pick and pop for three, or you got to get him on a post up where he's gonna get double teamed. So he's been efficient with it, like nine for thirteen against Wisconsin. And I feel like a lot of his best games this year, where he's scoring twenty plus, it's been on you know eight to twelve shots sometimes. And yeah. from afar, you you might look at the box score and be like, oh, why isn't he? Why isn't he more aggressive? Why isn't he shooting more? It's, you know, it's simple. It's just, it's not, he's not getting, he's not, he doesn't have enough opportunities to get 15, 20 good looks on a game to game basis with how, how much the teams are, are doubling him. So no, um, for sure. It's, you know, something to continue for them to work, to, to work on. But at the end of the day, like we, he has 23 and 10. It's like, can you, re, can you even really say anything? You know, no, I'm not. Still, he's still, He's still playing at an all-American all American level. And, you know, this game in particular, he, with that shot, pretty much single-handedly kept their season alive. So I, I can't really say anything, but, um, you know, you would love to see them get him a little more involved on, on some kind of action. I'm sure the coaches watch film and they're oh, introducing yeah. some stuff, but it, it's hard. It's hard to, in the flow of the game, when the pressure's on, the lights are on, to really implement these things um because it's the it's the little details that'll come into play no for sure and it's hunter's done a great job with it and it, and it is one of those things where because he is such a good passer they can punish the other team it comes back to this thing where all right you're going to play this way and you're gonna test us like dare us for these other guys to score like you're gonna post up or you're gonna double the post and then play four three on four your three guys against our four like we're going to punish you for this and we're going to we're going to make you regret doing that. I don't think they've quite gotten there. They do it a lot of times. I mean, Joey had I think both of his threes were off of 
Hunter post-ups, at least one really big one that uh, Joey hit in the first half. Um, I think there was a couple even in Rutgers game, but it's something I think they got to use and they got to utilize quick. They got to be in that spacing. They got to figure that out. And I think, you know, with the lineups without Jet is, can get a little confusing. There's one play where Terrence opened it up. I think it was for Joey or for Kobe. No, it was for Doug. And he does his post. I think Jet and Jace do it really well. And Will, I think Cheddar's kind of figuring it out a little bit. But Hunter will post up. And the other big guy, the other forward, is guarding Terrence. And Terrence, or at least the, the – sorry, there's a guard and help side in the middle of the paint. And Terrence will go down knowing that they're going to send a double team with the big and then go screen that guard so the backside's wide open. And Hunter he can easily just rifle that pass. And it's gorgeous every single time. And it was run to perfection. And that's all Terrence. It never shows up on the stat sheet. It was funny. I want to I want to shout out Terrence here because Terrence has not get gotten any love in the last few weeks. Lost a starting spot, got hurt. Um really mean, mean, mean comments on Michigan's Michigan basketball's Instagram. Like just terrible shit. Like uh, horrible stuff. Like I could not condone any of it to say that to a a kid in college, I think, is ridiculous if you ever get on there out of Michigan's own basketball Instagram profile. But yeah. Terrence was plus 17 and plus 20 in the last two games. And you'd be like, well, he didn't score. And it's like, well, there's other things that are really, really important as the fifth man on this team, the fifth scoring option. Like, there's a lot of other things that you need to be doing. Like, I think Cheddar do, does things well. Terrace does a lot of things well in that sense, defensively and offensively, being ready on the backside. And Terrence does a lot of these little things really, really well. And there's a reason, like, that's a, you know, that's a screen assist. They, they track those things now in the, in the NBA. Like, that's a big deal. And those, that screen assist is huge. That's three points. In college basketball, it's everything. So I want to shout out Terrence there. I think he's been playing within himself and trying to play well. Shots are not falling. But, you know, he's one of those guys uh, where if he hits two threes, some three falls, and all of a sudden we think about how he played differently and played a lot better. It's like, nah, he's still the same. Like He's still executing on offense and defense the way he should be. Um, and maybe he's not hitting shots, but he'll get there. He'll, eventually he'll get there. So I wanted to shout him out real quick. But I want to get back to Joey real quick because he – the Rutgers game took some crazy shots, but I'm loving his aggressiveness. I don't know what he shot against Rutgers. And two of seven against Wisconsin uh, from three, two of nine against Rutgers. But I still love the aggressiveness. I think it's a position that he needs, and he's still like this close from having, you know – Four four three pointer um, four three pointers in both of those games. Like I think it was like inches off for some of these misses, and I think it's crucial for him to stay aggressive, especially when Jet is out. But even when he comes back in, I think he's such a huge part of like college basketball, right? Like this guy that you know we have these three guys that really score: Doug, Kobe, Hunter, and then you throw Jet in there, and to have that fifth option we talked about it before, I think it's going to be huge. Huge. Like you can win them win them a game in the tournament by hitting four threes. And it's he has that in him, and they have that in him as, uh, in them as a team. Um, so, I mean, do you would you like want him to pull back on some of those shots? You're like, screw it, just let it fly. No, no not at all. I've, yeah. been, I've really enjoyed watching him play, especially over the last month. I don't know what's changed or what's clicked for him, but it's been noticeable. Yeah. Just the, the confidence level, the aggressiveness, and not just shooting threes, but he'll get to the basket too. He'll, you know, He'll crash, he'll crash the glass. He'll get physical. You just see him just throw himself into the game a little bit more and maybe not think about things as, as much. And it's led to him making a real impact on a lot of these games. So, I, you know, I'd rather him be two for nine than go 0 for 1 
Um, right. Yep. Just because I know, I know, over the, I know over the long run, there's not going to be as many two for nine games. It's going to be some four for nines, some five for nines. And then, you know, there's going to be that one game, the six for nine or seven for nine where he breaks Twitter or something. And, uh, yes. and, you know, he can win Michigan a big game in the tournament. You just, you never know when those opportunities are going to come, but he's a guy with his three point shooting has the potential to, to change the outcome of a game. Um, and again, seeing him play with this kind of confidence it's it's a game changer for this team who has now kind of established who their main guys are they've been lacking all year a bench presence a guy you come in and really rely on and he's kind of fit in the mold of that of that player now no for sure i think he talked about it in the post game presser maybe even before the game started when he talked to the media but about his senior night and just basically him coming into his own the last couple of months not only being confident in his game, being confident and be able to speak up, um, give right. his veteran wisdom. And I think he's been dealing with some of that injury. I think he's come along a little slowly with the hip. Maybe not slowly is not the right word, but like, you know, it's taking some time to get back to where he's being pretty explosive. I mean, this dude, you see that block he had? He he set up that block. He trailed. He like yeah. cowboyed that guy all the way down the lane and just – Reached all the way back like he was catching a, a like he looked like Ocho Seiko catching a pass. It was ridiculous, and he just swatted off the backboard. This team has some of the most some of the best backboard blocks I think I've seen in a long yeah. time. You wouldn't you wouldn't really think it. It'd be like Joey Kobe and and Terrace Reed. It's like some you weren't really expecting to happen all year, but like they they fucking beat it off the class. Yeah. No, that one that one from Joey was unexpected, and then I think Terrace also had a. A pretty sweet chase down block. Um, was it? Yeah. yeah, it was in the Wisconsin game as well. Shout out to Terrace too. The the defensive versatility has and just his overall activity has been another bright spot for this team. Um, a guy who you can see has been making improvements and giving a hundred percent effort out there. It might not always result in the right thing happening, but he's giving he's giving effort, um, and it, it's changing the outcome of games as well. And his ability to switch on to guards, play, you know, he could he could hard show and hedge a ball screen. He can play and drop. He can, you know, get you a chase down block in transition. He could play defense from the help side. He he's very versatile in in his ability out there. So um yeah. that's that's another guy that if you're a Michigan fan, it's I don't I I mean we I think we mentioned it last week against Michigan State, but I'm like, is this guy have NBA potential? Maybe down the road, his yeah. he's, he, his body is he's huge. He moves he moves his feet well. He's athletic. He's very raw offensively, but then he has his moments where he does some stuff offensively where you're like, oh, I didn't know he had that. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's had a couple of like face ups where he's done like a little Reggie shake and got to the basket. Um, he's like a lob threat. So uh, that's been another guy. It's been it's been. You know, fun to watch him grow a little bit and, and gain some confidence out there. Um, and it'll be a big summer for him heading into his into his sophomore year. Yeah, I, I hope he sticks around. He um, he's got a lot of Trace Jackson Davis vibes. To expect him to get that many blocks per game is a lot, but like yeah. he can be a help side menace when when opposing teams get in the paint for years to come. If he sticks around with Michigan, so it's going to be fun to see. I want to ask you. Um, before we get into talking about Michigan's next couple games with Terrace Reed 
it seems to be kind of off and on the effectiveness, um, and particularly when the other team is doubling hard on Hunter. And I think Terrace isn't quite finding the spots maybe where he could get easy dump offs. And it didn't seem to work quite as well against Wisconsin at the end of the game. I mean, if we're being honest here, they kind of lost the game. Like they lost the game until Hunter, like they gave it away by their defense and offense until Hunter hit that shot. And then they carried that momentum into the, uh, to the OT, but it worked really well against Michigan State. Terrace was an absolute monster and scored eight points and was uh, a beast on defense. And then Wisconsin, it just didn't look as great. So hindsight's always twenty twenty. But are you – I mean, how are you approaching that? How would you approach that as a coach, as Jawan? Like, all right, we're going to go to it every single game. Are you feeling out with the game plan? Or you're like, they got to guard us. They got to guard our twin towers. It, it seems like a really tricky situation to coach. Yeah, I think you're more so putting him in the game for defense more than offense, right? Because yeah. especially if Hunter's gonna get if Hunter's gonna get his post up touches and then they're coming to double him, it's just that that duck in in the paint or in the dunker area, it's just it's not really open. And yeah. it's not like you're gonna tell Terrace, hey, go space twenty five feet out and then become a threat out there. Like that's just not his strength not his game no. so um i think you know i think for juan it's more so you know putting him into the game if they need some kind of versatility uh, on the defensive end because again he, he can switch on to guards in a ball screen situation he can play you know a number of different coverages out there um and the offensive game there's been moments where it's worked but i would say I would say for the most part, I say more often than not, it hasn't worked. I don't know if that's, I, I don't know. Well, what do you, what do you think about that? Like, would you say, would you say the offense, well, when him and Hunter are in the game together, would you say it's worked more often than it hasn't? That's tough. I don't know. I, I love the analytics when it comes to those things. Although yeah. this is, it's a little weird because they're still in like a growth process and the sample size maybe isn't where you want it to be. So like some of the analytics might not be, you want to see an upward trend. And I think it's kind of been up and down in the last few games. So it's hard to say, like, does it work? I mean, Hunter had a huge problem with spacing and Musa Diabate last year. It was a real issue. And I think right. this year they, they've played him a little different. Like, the double team has been way more aggressive, I think, um, this year than it was last year. So it's a bit of an adjustment. And a guy like Terrace, I think it's worked, just not like in the way, like, you would want them to punish teams. Like, Twin Towers, you're going to double. Okay, Terrace needs to seal the guard on the backside and get an easy layup. And it's just not quite been like that. Um, other teams have been doing a good job in crowding him. There's a lot of times where I think Terrace doesn't realize how big he is and how athletic he is. He catches in the paint at five feet, and he could just take his time, yeah. go slow, and just jump straight up and use his athleticism and size and score. And I think sometimes, I mean, there's one, I think, against Wisconsin where he like had a five-footer, and it was right in the middle, and he like faded back on the shot. And it's like never fade back. I mean, maybe if he, I don't even maybe if he was avoiding a charge, but he, I don't think he was. So I think there's that learning period for him where he has to know that he can slow down and take his time, especially when Hunter is out there. It's a little different when he's the one getting double teamed in the post. I think he's not right. quite ready for that yet, and they've gone away from him in the post. But I think it can work. I think it has worked a little bit, just not in the way you would expect it, right? Like Twin Towers, we're going to dominate with height on offense. It's worked more like, all right, we're both going to be there to clean up the glass. Yeah. Um, 
set screens and Hunter can kind of stay on the side. Uh, it's so okay. it's worked a little differently. I think it's still just kind of a tweaking thing. Like you just got to play it by ear a little bit. Um, I just think Michigan has the weapons to punish teams. If you really want to hammer Hunter in the post to punish opposing teams from the three point line, especially when Joey is out there and jets out there and Kobe's out there. Like when you have Joey at the four, although they've gone away from it, um, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough it's a tough situation. I think next game, we'll get into a little bit. Next game, I don't know if you really do it against IU. Yeah, you're going to play it because Malik Renew is a, the big man that plays alongside Trey Jackson Davis a lot. And so why wouldn't you play those two together? I mean, um, that would be a good matchup to play them and, and utilize that and match up there. So I don't know. It's a, it is a unenviable position for Juwan to try and figure out the three and four yeah. spot every game. I mean, you know where your guards are at. Your your hand was forced to that with the Jalen injury, and so you're still figuring out everything. You have injuries to Jet and Terrence, so I want to give them a lot of credit for figuring out the lineups. They pretty much got them set in stone, even through the injuries. They know like how these lineups are going to go and when they're going to sub them in, and we're going to finish with Terrace. So I've I've been uh, I've been impressed with that part. Like at least like sticking to their guns with things. Yeah. I mean, they, they also, they have options now. I think it really is on a game by game basis where. Yeah. Cheddar's you know, there's, games where, option. there's games where, yeah, there's games where Will has it going a little bit. There's games where Terrace is, you know, changing the outcome of the game with his energy. Yep. Um, and then, you know, Terrence has had his moments too this year where he, you know, he's had some great games where his presence is really felt. So they have options. I mean, all three of those guys, they're, they're never going to be number one options out there or guys that you're going to rely on you know, for buckets for 40 straight minutes. But um, when you talk about glue guys, they are all great potential glue guys for, for this squad right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's, it's been nice to see that people coming in their own and from all angles, role players, defense, offense, like will getting his minutes and playing hard and then coming out and being good with that, getting his confidence there, like top to bottom. I think they're all figuring out their role now Um, better late than never. So we'll see how it goes, but they got, Two games coming up, Illinois and Indiana. So let's get right into the scouting report. So Illinois Thursday, IU Sunday. I swear, if, if they win at Illinois, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to hit up Dot, Lisa, maybe even use my IU connections. I'm getting a ticket. I will be in Bloomington if they, if they beat Illinois on Thursday. But looking ahead to the games, we'll get into IU. We talked to, um, about IU uh, extensively on this podcast, so it's not going to be too hard to scout it. But Illinois is the first time they played Illinois. And Illinois is a very interesting team. They've kind of underperformed, I think, from a talent standpoint, um, and in their issues. Honestly, I really haven't really watched them too much, but I, you know, probably some discipline issues there and a little bit of shooting. I mean, if we're just looking at them, Terrence Shannon is one of the best talents in the Big Ten. He averages a little over seventeen points a game. I mean, he he does it all. Like, he really does it all. Their shooting is not super great. And this has always been my biggest problem with Michigan's defense is some of the layups, but then giving up a lot of shots with movement um, from the three-point line. Like, the Iowa game really stands out to me. But they have – I mean, Matt Myers transferred from Baylor. He averages – what is the average? 12.6. He's their second leading scorer. He shoots 36% from three. But nobody else shoots the ball above 33%. Besides, I mean, Sky Clark and Terrence Shannon are both at 33%. So 
So they're both liable, I think, to like hit three or four. I mean, some of these guys are going to put them up. Um, Jaden Epps will put them up, but he's not shooting super great from three. Matt Meyer will put them up. Uh, Terrence Shannon will put them up. So it's one of those college games where it could turn into like, all right, this is a game plan. These guys don't shoot very well. And then you look at your coach and it's like, he just hit three. Like, what the hell is going on? Kind of like what Max Klesman was doing, banking in threes and shooting yeah. off the dribble rhythm threes in OT, like killing Michigan. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. So I think they play sound, but it is an interesting matchup talent-wise. Like, they're, I think they're kind of similar in that regard. I don't know if you've watched enough of Illinois. I haven't really watched too much of them, to be honest. There's a couple games here and there. Yeah, I, I haven't seen – I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen Illinois play yet this year. Um, but, again, road road games to close out the year. Michigan struggled a little bit uh, um, struggled a little bit on the road. But what I did – you know, a positive sign, the, the, the game against Rutgers was – I don't think anything really stood out from Michigan's game against Rutgers from a numbers aspect. But I think it was one of the first times where on, on the road – they were able to out-execute, out-compete a team consistently over the course of the game. I think they got off to a slow start against Rutgers, but then they, you know, for the next 35 minutes, they really yeah. handled their business. And that was that's that's been Michigan's problem this year, especially on the road. I feel like they've just been up and down, up and down, up and down. And you know, it doesn't matter the quality of team when you're playing on the road. There needs to be just you know, more of a consistent effort for 40 minutes because you're not going to have that fan base behind you. You're going to be dealing with maybe some bad calls, whatever it is. Um, but that was encouraging for Michigan to go on the road and beat Rutgers the way they did in a low-scoring game. So I would love to see them just continue with with that, you know, just the consistency and effort that they had there. That's a huge, um, that's a huge thing for them. And um, for me personally, Illinois was one of my – Illinois is one of my favorite places to play. I had some great games there. Illinois was one of my favorite places to play in the Big Ten. I don't know what it was about the arena, but had some great shooting games there. Uh, Love love talking some shit to the Orange Crush. Um, (laughs) Dude, they were never. I never lost. I I never lost against Illinois uh, over the course of my over the course of my Big Ten career. But then again, um, when I looked to IU. Um, I never won at IU. I'm 0-2 at IU. So we got – I would say IU, though, we uh, unanimously, that's like the toughest place to play in the Big Ten. Would you not agree? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, uh, I put it in my friend's group, but there was a coach's poll, I think, in their media day, and the coaches said, where's the toughest place to coach? And they said Mackey. And I said, okay, that's interesting. Mackey, they're right on top of you. I think, I think Mackey and IU are two of the toughest places to play. Like, like mm-hmm. – Purdue wet their pants at IU, and it was the first time they really showed that weakness, and it was because of that IU crowd. Now IU did turn around this past weekend and win at Purdue, which was huge, but I thought Mackey was not as loud as it could have should have been. But, uh, yeah, I'd say IU and Purdue, which is also my favorite because just being from Indiana, all my friends went to IU or Purdue, so I always loved it. Yeah, those two were tough. Illinois was tough, though, man, let alone the dead spots. That, that – that assembly hall of head spots uh, in Bloomington, Illinois, um, and or um, Champaign, Illinois, and uh, in Hinkle Fieldhouse. So the only two places I've ever played with dead spots in the court. I'm like, this is college basketball. Can we not fix these already? It was bizarre. Yeah, crazy. But yeah, they were you they were loud. I mean, it's go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Oh, we're at a stalemate now. Oh, we're we're just we're just completely we're just <laughs> go for it. We're like one second behind. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. Go, go, go. Um, no, I was gonna say I was surprised when I like when I played in Europe and I played in the G League and even in the NBA. There's been a number of cases where there's been dead spots on a professional floor. And again, you're you you're just like, man, I'm 20 something years old playing at a pro level, and there's dead spots out there. You would be surprised. You would be surprised at you know some of the times on those courts where you may be watching a player and you see him lose a handle on a crossover or on a drive to the rim and be like, Oh, that guy, he can't, he can't handle the ball. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many of those times a b- ball hits a dead spot and just doesn't come to the right place in the guy's hands. So um, I can't pinpoint per- in particular the spots uh, in Illinois that are dead because they're, they are very random. Like on every court, they're just, a lot of times it's where the it's where the pieces of uh, hardwood floor connect. Sometimes there's a, maybe a little bit of a gap between them that creates a dead spot. Um, but you can you can hear it when you dribble. Like you could hear it if you're on the if you're warming up on the court with no fans in there, empty arena. You could dribble the ball around. Yeah. And you could hear the difference between a normal bounce and a dead spot bounce. It's very noticeable. Yeah, and Amir. Is, is shout out to Amir is telling us to explain a dead spot. Like when the, when the, there's a spot on the court where it's for whatever reason, there's not enough foundation underneath it and there's no explosion off. They'll bounce from the hardwood and the ball kind of dies and you're expecting it. Like all of dribbling is feel and just pattern recognition, right? Like I throw it with this velocity. It should come to my hand over here at this spot. And like, you just, you don't think about it. So like you throw it down the same speed, uh, the same type of dribble, and then it doesn't come to your hand, and you look like an idiot, and everyone's telling you you suck at ball handling. And it's like you don't understand, and nobody can hear it. You can't hear it when the crowd is there. Uh, I think, I think uh, Minnesota might have some too, but there was, it was Illinois. I never wanted to dribble the ball out in the perimeter. I'd always like get below the eye. I think is where like the big parts were. At least like maybe in the outer thirds of the court were like the big problems. So I was always try to get below the eye there, um, or just dribble it up quick, like getting the offense quick. But the Big Ten tournament was the same exact way. I hated playing point guard during the Big Ten tournament, bringing the ball up, because that ball, the Spalding ball, was like an outdoor ball that we used. To, I don't know what they use now or what you used after I graduated, but it was like that. one of those – it was like that tough, thick leather that basically, I swear to God, they were outdoor balls. Like it was the same type of material. And they had um, little air bubbles. And so they would bounce weird. And so, like, you'd be dribbling just, like, straight up and down, not even a crossover, and it'd go out of your hand. And you're like, you look like an idiot in front of all the rest of the Big Ten fan bases. And, yeah, I hated it. I was like, we're dribbling fast, and we're entering the ball quick. I am not dribbling this ball for more than five times in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, so it always pissed me off. I always looked like an idiot when that happened. But uh, um, it was always interesting, that, that variation there. Even more reason for these guys come out, catch, shoot, fire. When all else That's fails, it. just let that thing fly. If you if early on in the game you start you start feeling the dead spots, all right, I'm not dribbling today. I'm just catching and shooting. That's my game plan. Yep, I think it's key. Just execute like they've been doing. You're coming against Illinois. I don't know what the crowd is going to be like. I think it's going to be tough. I think I watched them a little bit at home one game, and it's still going to be tough. Um, it's going to be a big game. I think Hunter. You know, at this point, though, like none of these guys are scared. Like, just play the same way you do at home, stay as aggressive, and, you know, just 
have a you know hopefully a little luck comes your way and you don't have a bad shooting night. Just get my big thing is getting Jet back into the game offensively and defensively. I, I really hope that he can come in and match where they were defensively um, with the intensity. I think the Rutgers game was super super intense. Rutgers doesn't have a whole lot of action, and I actually don't know what Illinois' action is. I don't think it's super great action. I think um, you know more Terrence and Will Cheddar are going to be tested with Meyer at the four. Um, but that's going to be a big thing. Can Hunter get himself going defensively and stay in tune with everybody else? I think the offensive side will take care of itself. But IU, let's touch on it real quick. We know what they're about. You guys should know what they're about. Trace Jackson Davis and Hood Shafino. Hood Shafino had a just unbelievable game against Purdue. This is real quick for me. This is my game plan last time, and they didn't execute it quite well enough. And the game plan that I don't think teams are executing well enough at all and it's take away Hood Shafino, take away Trace Jackson Davis, and let the other guys beat you. Let Trey Galloway use the ball screens. Let him score 20. Let Tamar Bates shoot 10 threes. Uh, let Miller Cop shoot, but don't give him wide open jumpers. Um, I really think you can guard Hunter one on one with Trace. And if hopefully he's not getting foul, Hunter's got to play a little tougher and kind of work on pushing him out maybe before, it work, you know, play defense before the possession starts, right? Like push him out. But the big thing for me is Trace is uh, Jalen Hood Shafino. They're running ball screens and everyone's running drop coverage because they're tired of getting lobbed on by Trace Jackson Davis. They're all scared of Trace Jackson Davis because he's the most athletic, the best lob threat in the Big Ten. Besides that Amori kid for Rutgers, it dunks the hell out of the wall. He dunks everything, but he's not really a lob threat like Trace Jackson Davis is. But anyways, you're playing drop coverage and Hood Shafino, the amount of did you watch the game, IU Purdue? Uh, IU Purdue, I did not see it. Dude, Fino had 35, bro. He had 35 points. It was a mid-range clinic. He hit everything. It was like people were in his face. He was coming off the ball screen. It was unbelievable what he was doing. I mean, he looked like an absolute pro. And he's had his ups and downs uh, for sure all year. But you don't want to test him, right? Like, you don't want to give him the chance to get going early. So I hope that they don't run the absolute drop coverage with Jalen Hood Shafino from the start. And I think one thing that you do that I really love to see is when Jalen doesn't have the ball is you cut off the head of the snake. We did it when for a lot of teams when they had like a singular talent. And, and I know this doesn't apply because they also have Trey Jackson Davis from a guard standpoint. I think it is just Jalen Hood Shafino that you want to cut off. When he gets up the ball, I want to see full denial from Kobe Bufkin. And I know that can kind of right. throw your, the wrench in your help side defense a little bit, but – I just wouldn't make him work as much as possible to get the ball. Like tire him out at all times. And on the other end of it, Kobe's got to wear him out, put him in ball screen actions, put Trey Jackson Davis in, in ball screen actions. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of ball screen back and forth, but that's my game plan. That's I, I think those two guys, like you try and take them away as best you can. Obviously easier said than done, but make everyone else beat you. And I think they have a real good shot at winning both of these games. Uh, I'm not sure. What, what do you see against IU, especially from the last game that they played? Yeah, Trace, I mean, yeah, Trace Jackson, Trace Jackson and Hood Shafino, they had great games against Michigan last time. But overall, I looked at that, you look at that game and Michigan put themselves, granted, it was a home game. They put themselves in a position to win. I thought they played yeah. well enough, even though those two they had, did. I think they both had over 20 that game. Um, and it was really just the late game execution. You know, I think it was in the last five minutes of, of their home game against IU. Um, I think they went they went scoreless or had two points. I can't remember exactly what it was. 
Yeah. But it was just, well, and the crazy thing is that was a couple, just a couple of weeks ago. And since then, I feel like they've really turned a corner with confidence and, you know, guys not hesitating. You know, you mentioned earlier in this thing, I think that was the game where Kobe, you know, hesitated on that late game, um, you know, late game pull up um, that kind of cost them. But, you know, with these guys executing and playing with confidence the way they are right now, you just have to stick to that same game plan and just execute at the end of the game. Now, it's easier said than done, especially when you're about to go to IU and, you know, one of the loudest arenas, probably one of the hardest places to play. So um, it requires a little bit more focus and attention to detail on these things. But, man, you got to sometimes you just got to let your nuts hang on the road, man. These guys just got to let it all let just let them hang and just go out there and hoop and have fun. And um, you play with a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence. You'd be amazed what could happen out there. Yeah. I want to um, correct what I said earlier. Terrence and Will not be guarding Meyer from the start. Bill Illinois, because he, he plays the three. I have that Hawkins kid who had like a triple double earlier this year. He's really talented, but he has a lot of ups and downs. Um, but that'll be a test for Terrence and Will as well. And if Jet comes back to guard Meyer, he's going to have to be on because Meyer will shoot whatever, whenever. I think he's got the green light. Don't know why, but he's letting it fly. So he's got to be ready for that. But the game, last game against IU at home, we talked about this before after the game, and it, that's why I thought the game plan should have been more of this, even though it's easier said than done. But uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Hood Shafino had 49 of their 62, and the other 13 points came off of, what was it, four for like 15 shooting, four for 16 shooting, something like that, from the rest of the guys. And – you know, I know they'll be at home, so the the, the complimentary players will be more comfortable. But I, I do really believe in that game plan as much as you can, and what that looks like. Um, you know, make Miller Cop catches the ball, deny everybody else, like make him dribble it. You know, make him work. Make Geronimo or not Geronimo, he's not playing too much lately. Um, Bates work. Make Renault post you up all the time. So we'll see. We'll see how they doubled Trace Jackson Davis, and hopefully they don't. They've gone away from the zone. They've really gone away from the zone. I've been happy with it. They ran it one time against Wisconsin, and what happened? Boom! Wide open three pointer. That uh, yeah. uh, what's that? That that white kid who looks like he's twelve years old just killed Michigan. What's his name? He's nice. He's nice, nice. dude. Um, he is nice. He's kind of tough. I, and I was his I haven't really seen him play much, but yeah, I liked his off the dribble game, and it was it was good. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, next couple weeks, really interesting to see because they haven't played Illinois yet, so we don't know what that game plan is going to be totally. Um, and then Jet coming back, you know, a lot of a lot of pieces going at one time, but they've proven in the last month from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint that they can adjust. They can adjust on the fly and that they're ready to win. To your point earlier, they started out horrible against Rutgers. And they didn't seem worried. They're like, all right, this is fine. We know we're capable of playing better basketball. And they did exactly that. They came back. They weren't flustered. Beginning of the year, they had been completely flustered. Like they were like like Arizona State was a similar situation. And they just let that game go to shit real quick. So they've matured. They've um, they, they've grown that confidence where they're not worried about being down 10 points on the road to start the game. They're like, all right, this sucks, but we'll be fine. There's a lot of game left. But, uh, yeah, we'll 
It'll be interesting to watch those games. We'll come back and analyze that. But to wrap up here, let's get into Word on Campus. Word on Campus was this past week against Wisconsin was senior day. Now, Nick, you never had a senior day. Is that right? You dropped out of school early because you're a loser. Is that right? Yeah, I, I couldn't keep up with the general <laughs> studies degree. It was far out of reach. Decided I would try my hand at, uh, at basketball instead. So, But I did, I'll, I'll be honest though, I did treat, we played IU at home our last game of the Big Ten season, and I did treat it as a senior day just because I think I at that time I knew, knew. that I was going to be leaving. So I realized that was going to be my last time playing in front of the Michigan fans. And we won, we won the Big Ten outright that year. And so we got a chance to cut down the nets after the game and all that, you know, had a little celebration on court. And um, I definitely cherished it. Like, I remember that game specifically mm. because, you know, one, it was, you know, a celebratory game for us winning the Big Ten. But also personally, in my head, I, you know, couldn't help but think, man, I'm going to miss playing at Chrysler. I'm going to miss playing in front of these fans. So um, definitely, I definitely cherished that moment, even though I, I didn't really get to celebrate it. But um, how, how was that experience for you? You know, getting the, jer- oh. the frame jersey, having that moment with your family out there. Like, I, I, I'm jealous because thinking about that now, thinking about, you know, Paul and Rudostowskis being out there with me and, and having <laughs> that moment. Um, just again, having that frame Michigan jersey behind you, I'd, I would love one of those. Yeah, it it is great. I'll, I'll give you that. The, the frame jersey is great. The white, well, the shot that they, the picture they gave me is a little questionable. Um but it is what it is. At least I score on that basket. Uh, it was fun, but you know how it is. You're in the beginning of the game, like before the game starts, and you're like, I don't want to be – like I just want to go warm up and play the game. Like can yeah. we just play the game already? But it was cool to have my parents out there and be recognized. They're, they love Ann Arbor. They love Michigan. They love going to games. They were huge fans. They, they went to every game they possibly could. Um, shout out Matt and Nancy. But that was the most painful – one of the most painful nights of my career – looking back on it because we lost to Purdue a team. We beat at Purdue that year. Um, and I mean, they were making a run at the end. Robbie Hummel has told me this before we've talked about it and they were making a run, but like, I didn't think they were that good. We kind of let up. And if we would have won that game, we not only would have been undefeated at home that year, but how it shook out at the end is we would have won the big 10 outright. And mm-hmm. instead of, instead of sharing it with Michigan state and Ohio state, and that would have been really cool. I think that'd have been really cool to say, like we were picked, I don't know where to finish, not anywhere close, and then winning it outright, that would have been unbelievable. So there's a big what if there for my senior night. Um, it's a little painful, but but still a fun experience overall. I'm curious, though, when did you know that you were gone? Um, Probably around like maybe around – probably. Maybe right before senior day. So I'd say right maybe early February, mid-February. I had just I started putting together enough games and we at that point we were had such a lead in the Big Ten standings. I knew we were gonna win the Big Ten. Mm. Um I knew I had a chance to be Big Ten player of the year. And uh things were just clicking for me. And so I just at that point that was the first time where mock drafts started having me as a consensus first rounder and my goal had always been to get to the nba like my freshman year mitch and glenn were projected lottery picks and then they they turned that down to come back for a sophomore year yeah which i mean again everyone has their own path but for me personally 
I would never, ever, ever, ever be willing to pass up an opportunity to play in the NBA if I, if I knew I was going to get drafted. And so for me, that was always the case. And my parents were on board too. You know, they were very, they knew how much it meant to me. And they were always like, Hey, if you're projected to be a first round pick, like you're going, you know, that's, you got to follow your dreams. Um, yeah. because you don't, you know, you just never know when you're going to get that opportunity again. Um, it's coming. I feel like coming back, coming back after being a projected first rounder, the expectations are so high for you. And then sometimes it's hard to exceed those and then your stock falls. And now you're, you know, second rounder maybe, which again, you might still get, have a great career and whatnot, but for most guys, you want to have that, that comfort of, of being a first round pick um, and getting a guaranteed contract that comes with that. So for me, I think right around February, right around you know, maybe the first couple of weeks of February, I was starting to think, okay, maybe this is my time um, to, to, to make the transition to the NBA. But I, with that said, I was still very focused on winning at Michigan. Like I no. was excited for the no, NBA. No, you're being selfish. I w- no, 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 no. I was, I was truly because we were, we started that year nine and zero in the Big Ten, and we wow. lost the previous year. We lost the previous year in the national championship to Louisville. In my freshman year, we lost the Big Ten championship at home against IU to close out the year. The game where. Um, Jordan Morgan had that layup that kind of like went around um, that, that went around the rim. And so there was a lot of, for me, unfinished business. And with how well our team was playing, I was like, I was just, I was eager to win. I was and big 10 championship NCAA. I was eager to win. So yeah. we won the big 10 championship, which was nice that year outright um, fell short in the NCAA tournament. We lost in the elite eight, but um, I was definitely I was super hungry that year to just win, which overall I think that helped my stock um, because yeah. at the end of the day, winning like winning cure, winning solves everything. When you're winning, you know that's when you get the recognition and you get you know people start noticing because you know there's a ton of guys who can put up 20 points and five assists on a on a bad team, but if you're able to do it consistently on a winning team, that's when people you know take notice and everyone's stock improves, not just the guys at the top of the roster, but at the bottom, every, you know, everyone kind of rises in those situations. So that was my mindset that year. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's interesting for Michigan fans, any college sports fan of any team where like, I love this college. And then you can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to be there at your school. And it's like, I didn't, not even I grew up dreaming about playing college basketball. I dreamed about playing pro basketball because that's always a dream, right? right? That's the top level. And so that it, it meant a lot of different things for me than for you. And, but there's a lot of things that I went through Like for you. It was like, yeah, I'm leaving. Like I, I'm going to go pro because that's what I want to do. Like Michigan's great. But like, that's, this is my dream. Like my dream wasn't to play four years at Michigan. Even for me, it was the same thing. Like Michigan was fine, but it was really for the next level. So I had issues with like my career because of how that panned out for like the next level. Like, I shouldn't have gone to somewhere smaller. So, and people are like, well, you played at Michigan. Like, it's amazing. It's like, yeah, it was great. Don't get me wrong. But I, you know, there's probably a better place for me elsewhere to like develop my game. So like, these little things like that, that are, I think hard. There's like, just a disconnect there from a fan and player standpoint. Um, but these guys, you still play hard, you know, Jet's still going to play hard. Kobe's going to still play hard, even though he might go to the league. Hunter, uh, we'll end it here though. Hunter did say in his press conference that, 
they asked him, is this your last game in Chrysler? And he goes, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And he thought about it and he said, I think, quote, no, I don't think so. And then he went on to explain a little bit more. But he said, like, I don't think so. So we'll see what happens. Well, the NIL talk, you know, they really blow up in the in the NCAA tournament. I think it's going to take, you know, them to blow up in the NCAA tournament and hit out some games. He talked about how his stock is tied to them winning and being successful and then him playing well when that happens. But that was an interesting, interesting little tidbit there from Hunter. But uh, we will wrap it up there. We will be back after the IU game before the Big Ten tournament starts um to recap these next two games and then look forward i don't know if we'll be able to have our hands on the schedule yeah we should we'll have our hands on the schedule for the big 10 tournament and see how that pans out they're going to get a buy or not right now they're sitting in second place which is crazy um so yeah follow us on socials instagram twitter youtube at beyond the big 10 beyond the big 10 10 is one zero shoot us your questions your comments rate us uh and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts I appreciate you, everybody listening. We really loved growing this podcast over the year and excited to see where it takes us. Um, And, you know, we're trying to grow that fan involvement. So hit us up. We love your questions. Um, Until next time. Thank you, everybody. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.